Hello and welcome to episode 92 of the BMcast. Not a podcast that gets called out for being a horrible person, promises to do better, then posts a video involving people that revoke their consent to appear on the show before then setting their Twitter to private to avoid criticism, but the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. I am Scott and I am joined by my good friend, the lab man himself, James. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm not too bad. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Why don't you tell everybody that is listening a little bit about yourself? Okay, so yeah, I'm James, otherwise known as Bergfox. Um, for those that are wondering, it's, that's Mountain Fox in German. I, along with a wonderful collection of admins, run the Irish Magic Discord server. A uh, little bit about mm-hmm. my kind of magic history. I started playing just before the Before Times ended in 2020, and I could be found most <laughs> days playing in the CDH channel on the server, trying to further refine my Ichrochrom deck. I suppose outside mm. of magic... Um, I'm getting ready to start a new job. I'm a physiotherapist by training and also a researcher and lecturer. So I'm finishing up a project I'm currently working on and just catching up with some hospital-specific uh, CPD, ready to start the work. Mm. I'm probably one of the the few people that hasn't played uh, Elden Ring, so I only just started playing that. Uh, it's my first oh, Souls yeah. game. And to be honest, I thought Magic had a steep learning curve. Yeah, <laughs> nothing about that anymore. Um, <laughs> But um, yeah, and I suppose the last couple of weeks also, I've also kind of got back into one of my other like main passions, which was climbing. So it's been really kind of re- really mm. great reconnecting with a previous hobby. Well, it was almost a way of life for me um, prior up to a few years ago. And it's kind of been humbling relearning a skill. And uh, mm. hopefully I don't relearn any of my bad habits. So yeah, yeah. To, in case it wasn't clear in what James has been saying, it, James is like by far the healthiest magic player I've ever met in my life. Like the healthiest and most active by quite a lot. You definitely break the mold of like the typical magic player. You know, you started off playing CEDH and you climb. Yeah. Uh, I suppose it's just kind of like an abundance of energy and a very uh, poor attention span. So I think my, I like my commander mm. games to generally be under 20 minutes. What have you been up to then, Scott? So yeah, I've been having a very magic heavy week. I played Modern in one LGS on Tuesday. I then played Pauper in the other LGS, the War Chest, on Thursday. And then I played Modern again in the War Chest on Saturday. Uh, so I went 2-2, 2-1, and 3-0, respectively, which is, you know, it's a fairly decent overall rate. And I just now realized that I was actually playing Azorius in all three events, which is very unusual for me. So it was Blue-Eyed Affinity in both Modern events and then Blue-Eyed Familiars in Pauper. I am a Prismari mage, I swear. As for the usual content plug, this week's article is on three under-the-radar commanders and builds from Nukapenna, so if you're looking for something that's a little spicier than the pre-con upgrades that we've been doing, and might be better suited to you, so you can check that out on Card Kingdom after the show. And outside of Magic, I too have been playing Elden Ring. Um, I'm now finished the game. I'm officially finished. It took me like 180 hours, but I finally got there. So you're going to be the person I'm going to contact when I get stuck inevitably then? Is what you're saying. Yeah, and I'm not just going to tell you to get good. Okay. Now, I still love it immensely. I do fear, however, playing too much of it in one go in case I get tired of it, because that can happen. So I'm trying to space it out with games to slay the spire on my Switch in between. And non-gaming related, I've started to reorganize my entire kitchen uh, in an attempt to, like minimize the amount of wasted space and food that I happen to forget about because, you know, it's hidden behind something else. And if I don't see it, it doesn't exist and that kind of thing, you know? Uh, It sounds really boring. Like, yeah, I'm just rearranging my kitchen. It's like, has anybody seen this new, like, paring knife that I purchased? It's very (laughs) exciting. Like, it sounds boring, but it is so great to have, like, that kind of immediate improvement in the kitchen. And I'm probably more excited about that than I am about Elden Ring right now. So 
Yes, yes, I'm now old, officially. Yeah, just, you know, like, <laughs> just adulting, you know, it's just got to be done sometimes. Stop, yeah. <laughs> if you enjoy the BM cast and would like to support them, you can become a patron for as little as $3. Not only will you get access to all of the show notes and deck lists, but you get to listen to the new episodes a day earlier than anyone else. Visit patreon.com forward slash the BM cast to join today. There are also free ways to support them too. Just listening to the show is already great. You can follow them on their Twitter at the BMCast as well, and even DM them for a link to the Discord server. No matter your budget, we'll make sure you get your stonks on. Alright, so, James, as is customary with all guests, you usually come along with a card of the week, and I hear you have a pretty good one for us. Yeah, so, I, I suppose I'm a big believer in kind of Gotham cards, but ones okay. that, you know, when if you are going to play them, everyone should be like, oh, I haven't seen that card before, or that's kind of a cool effect. Um, so, mm-hmm. I think one I've been playing a lot in my um, my CDH deck, but I think it's I think it's quite a very fair casual card, and you might disagree with me on this, but... It's a card called Last One Standing, and it's from Battle Bond. It's generic mm-hmm. black and red. It's a sorcery. It says, choose a creature at random, then destroy the rest. Mm. Okay, so it, it's quite a good game. Like, it's great if you have, like, you know, Alexa or um, Siri on your phone. You can tell your phone how many players you've got and get a random number to pick. Yeah, I was going to say, because, like, with tokens decks on the table, like, you, how many dice are you rolling to try and figure out which yeah, one Yeah, like, I've, I've had to use it and, like, get a random number between, like, 0 and 30-something. I think my flavour text is probably my favourite bit of the card. So the flavour text reads, some train all their lives for a shot at the title, some just get really, really lucky. And I think I think that kind of sums up my, uh, my early magic wins, I think, you know, generally getting a little bit lucky, you know. Um, so it, it's a good card. It's a bit of a sleeper. I don't think many people kind of play it that often. It's definitely more of a commander card. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, definitely. It's, it's worth a look if you haven't seen it. For sure. It's, it's weird because, like, flavorfully, it is brilliant. Like, you would expect to see this more at casual yeah. tables. Yeah. Like, sure, it's extremely efficient, like, it's three mana, but... Like, it's it's just such a fun and interesting kind of thing. Because, like, if you're... Like, the number of wild moments that can come out of this, where, like, the exact wrong creature gets yeah. left, or the exact right creature gets left, it's... Yeah. Yeah, I've I, I played this card, and literally the only creature I want to be removed from the game is the only one that's, that's lasting. And mm-hmm. especially <laughs> once you kind of... Especially once you start playing kind of, like, higher power commander or, like, CDH, you know, you, mm. you, you're hitting some... There's some really nasty stacks creatures... And, you know, mm. just, you just, re- you know, like you maybe got that one, using this card as your one spell per turn, you know, your rule of law, trying to get rid of it <laughs> so you can, you can go off and play your fancy bits and that card remains. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but that, like, that's the chance of it, you know, sometimes you get lucky, <laughs> sometimes you don't, you know. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right. So let's go and head into the main topic of the day. We are going to have a little chat about how you started into magic and stuff james followed by uh, some stuff about the irish magic discord server and then on to some other things that might affect the community at large in general or things that are just sort of good to know about so first of all let's start off how did you actually start playing magic well magic has kind of always been on my radar so but packs when you're a kid and a teenager are kind of pretty expensive so i think mm. i got kind of bored of starter deck when i was 13 14 and 
you know, you kind of played it for a bit, but generally just wasn't around a lot of people that were kind of playing. And then I just really wanted to pick up a hobby again where it's a little bit more kind of sociable. And mm. just like everyone else, you know, January, February, 2020, like, you know, hearing about you know, COVID happening on the other side of the world, it's, you know, it's just gonna be a couple of weeks thing, not gonna happen. I was like, okay, um, yeah, might as well just get into get into magic. So this summer, have a few people to, to kind of hang out and play with. And um, went into a few stores and I suppose, as a new player, and I, I'm not sure if you know some of the other listeners might have found this. Sometimes it's quite hard to get into playing Magic because you know, like, there's quite a big barrier to entry sometimes. Mm. So, kind of work, going into stores didn't work out for me initially. So what I did is I got a starter deck off Amazon, and like probably quite a few people just played some kitchen table Magic with my partner. And you know, we got yeah. the at the time it was a mono white deck and a, and a mono red deck, and we just kind of learned to play Magic then, mm. and then kind of got into it literally just as everything closed down. So like there was no, um, there's no play in the shops. The shops weren't even open. Yeah. Uh, I think if you were ordering cards, like they couldn't even really be posted at the time. Um, I remember the first mm. deck I ordered was from Card Kingdom because I didn't even realize like Magic Card Market existed. Like that's how kind of new I was. Um, yeah. And I saw Toma did a deck on an Eldrazi um, Marathon Tribal deck. And um, mm. I was like, oh, that looks good. And obviously there's a link to Card Kingdom. So I think, I th- Bought my first deck off Card Kingdom for the grand total of like $60 and waited three months mm-hmm. whilst it made its way around the United States before it, uh, before <laughs> it arrived. So, yeah, so I, I ordered my first deck in like, I think it was the April and it arrived in like late June, early July mm. and uh, started kind of playing it that way. So, I mean, like maybe non-traditionally, the way I learned to play Magic was on was on webcam, was on, was on server. Yeah. That's really wild. And... Obviously, like we're we're yeah. good friends, so I know a lot about this already. So it it can be a little weird for me to be like, so talk to me about your main format, you know, because yeah. I know about all this, but you know, I'm trying to be a good host. So do though, talk to me about your main format. Your main format is CEDH. Like, how do you go from I'm going to buy like a, a Morophon Eldrazi Tribal deck into going Nah, screw this, e- CEDH. Yeah, let's I think. Go. Oh, partly I blame a five color commander, and then realizing how important mana bases is and mana base being the jumping okay. off point for all good decks. But mm. to, to be honest, it was because of the nature of webcam and it being a format that was very kind of like proxy friendly and it's actually a really welcoming community. So I, I just mm. kind of ended up getting into into that format. I think one of, the, one of the first people who joined the server once we set it up, Louise was looking for kind of CDH players as well. And it just kind of made sense that we could play and, and you know, also, as a kind of newer player, I generally own like one copy of each card, so yeah. it's it's much easier to just to build maybe like one deck that or like the shell of a deck, and then just kind of change things in and out as as I need to as well. But um, but yeah, it's definitely yeah it's definitely the odd thing to start with. I think you know casual and then kind of make yeah. a fairly quick jump up in, in into CDH, but but no, I thought you know there's more yeah for me. What I found is there's more consistency. In the gaming experience, the power level is like codified. You're not sitting yeah. at the table thinking I can't really do anything or things like that. So it just yeah. it's just good, and it also just translates really, really well to, to to webcam. Yeah, for sure. And when you were saying that like it plays very well on webcam and everything, did the server itself, the Irish Magic server, did that have any kind of influence on having CDH as your um, preferred format? Yeah, I think it did. The, at the time when the first server first started, it literally was just like there was a Facebook page at the time for Irish Magic and um, there still is and 
I just put up a little thing saying, you know, I'm, I'm new to Magic. I'm, I'm really look, uh, looking to play, but obviously all the stores are closed down. I'm thinking about starting a Discord server because I was in a Discord server for D&D and it seemed like a really good way to meet people. And a few people kind of jumped in and yeah. we just started playing just general commander games with them. I, I think, you know, being kind of a new player and some more kind of well, more established players, the, the power level is always that kind of like the higher level of like casual and so it's kind of a little bit easier to kind of spread mm -hmm. on but with servers like PlayDH around at the time it was just really kind of taking off like if you wanted to play casual those existed whereas yeah. I think with the more competitive side it was easier to just to kind of keep that within the server and a lot of people who, who maybe play competitive find it's actually quite difficult to get part of four people together sometimes because you don't necessarily have them all living in the same yeah. place or going to the same LGS. And I think having a, a server where you can effectively play with anyone in Ireland at any time of the day made games a lot, mm. a little bit more likely to fire. And I think at the time, it was mainly competitive games that were firing in the server. And so just, just to be able to play games, if you look at the amount of cards that are available for, for Commander, it's, mm -hmm. as a new player, it's a little bit kind of overwhelming. It's actually a little bit easier to... Well, that's, that's personally what I found. Whereas I think with competitive, you know, there's very defined combos, you know, there's patterns of play. It's a little bit easier to pick up. So in, in some extent, you know, playing competitive can sometimes feel, especially with the right deck, like you're playing on easy mode. You know, like if you're playing your, you know, your Turbo Norse yeah. deck, whereas if you're playing something like Gitrog or Krag Sakshima, you're basically making the deck as complicated as you possibly can. And, you know, if you, if you enjoy that style of play, then yeah. that's, there, that's there, there for you. So even within kind of quite a closed meta with yeah. quite defined combos, there's still quite a good way to kind of express yourself. I mean, I, I, I don't meet many people playing Ikra Crumb. Uh, they're two five CMC commanders mm -hmm. in a format where you want to try and win as quickly as possible. Yeah. You know, it just allows <laughs> a lot of expression. And I think, you know, it's, it's one of the, the decks I, I've always enjoyed. Yeah. And... It's interesting as well because when you when you made this server, like it was at a difficult time for Magic, you know, mm. like you said, like there's a pandemic, so there was reduced ways to play. In some formats, companions were ruining things. Like it was kind of all over the place, and it was interesting to see so many people like jumping in and being a part of like playing webcam and stuff. Like for example, we had like yeah. weekly modern events where. We would have like, you know, 12 people show up, which doesn't sound like a lot. But again, we're talking about the Irish scene, which is significantly yeah. smaller than, say, the likes of the US scene and that kind of stuff. And have a fired, like have a have an event mm. fire on a Thursday night with like four rounds. Like that was fantastic. You know, that, that kind of thing was honestly, it was one of the things that kind of got me through yeah. a lot of that time in particular, because the thing that I did before that all the time was just go to the LGS or like plan to go to the next GP and all that kind of stuff. And that was what I really, really enjoyed. And a lot of my commander stuff had come around as a result of the server as well, because that's where I was spending an awful lot of my time. And a lot of the people that I was spending my time with online and everything, for example, my, my main friend group now is like, you know, shout out to Dahi and Ian and Ralph and everybody in that group like everybody there plays like casual commander and stuff for the most part and it's like i got exposed to that through being in the server and like having more people play commander and that kind of thing and then spell table coming along and like the huge boost that that gave to everything and it's it's just wild how all of this sort of just came together like if if any one of these things had like been different like if spell table wasn't around or if the pandemic didn't happen i know there's like 
crazy other things that could have been significantly better if the pandemic didn't happen but sure look but like all of these things like if any one thing was slightly different like none of this would have existed which it it is wild yeah i honestly i look back now and you know i see that we kind of started with maybe three or four people to start with and Mm-hmm. And now we're sitting at well over 400. I think we're the biggest Discord server in Ireland, which again, yeah. it is absolutely wild. But it's all dependent on yeah. a certain number of things. I don't think I could have set out with this in mind. Like this, this was never the intention for the server to be this big within the community. It was literally just, yeah. it essentially started with like me trying to find friends to play magic with on the internet. And mm-hmm. I suppose if you know if, if you know anything about the server, the, the, the admins that are in the server, that the people that kind of stepped in and took the admin roles initially were, were all people who like helped me on my magic journey so like you know these were these these people were already yeah. good custodians of the magic scene within within islands i think so mm-hmm. tom one of the admins basically held my hand and taught me how to play commander you know right from you know stifling yeah. my my fetch land on, on turn one um taught me an important lesson against <laughs> you know what but what blue players are, are like and you know dylan who i bought cards from on mkm i think he was one of my first ever purchases mm. and essentially i, I you know I, I bought some cards and I, I suddenly i get this email back being like oh these cards look really interesting what are you building and you know like i was upgrading this moral final jazzy deck and so having this conversation was, you know he starts, starts yeah. telling me about how he's really into pioneer and i kind of invite him into the server and come in and like you know aaron mm-hmm. would have would have been jumped into the server quite quickly. Actually, sold my first reserve list card, Gilded Drake, and you know I think some of the things we might be talking about later on. Um, if you read the flavor text of um, Gilded Drake, it's buyer beware. It's kind of an app, so you know, like I learned very quickly about <laughs> reserve list cards and, and how to kind of check those and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then Leanne as well kind of jumped into the server, and you know Leanne and yourself were some of the first content creator videos I watched, and it was really interesting. I remember seeing you go to to Birmingham and mm-hmm. like your adventures around Birmingham, like. One of, genuinely one of the first decks I built yeah. was um, Mono Black Control Pauper. And I was trying to find out about the, the, the Pauper scene in, in the RGSs here. And I remember being told like, oh, even before you know, the pandemic, mm-hmm. you know, there wasn't being a lot of Pauper being played as well. So it's, it's, it's kind mm-hmm. of, it's, it's been really interesting, you know, like who, who kind of jumped in, into the server as well. And, and like, again, like Louise, just like myself, was just on the Irish trades page being like, look, I, you know, I've, I'm from Brazil. I, you know, I've come over to play and I, I enjoy playing, um, you know, competitive. And we kind of bonded over that. I think the first person I met in real life was mm, the reason I yeah. went over to, to Tala, which is, you know, not too far away from where I live. And we sat down in the Starbucks once everything kind of opened back up and talked mm-hmm. about cards and like my aspirations for building a deck in paper, which I'm kind of almost there at now. It's kind of, it's, it's, been, it's yeah. been really interesting. And then, you know, like we have people like Darren who would have been quite big in the, the modern community prior to, to COVID, used to do all the write-ups and like, generates that sense of community in, in that respect as well. So it's kind of, it's, mm-hmm. it's been really interesting, um, like how it's kind of moved from just like literally a friendship group to like, yeah, loads of people coming in. I think we generally get like two or three new people in every day. Um, and we have quite a, like a vocal community here, which is good. And we, we, as I said, we play yeah. all the formats. It definitely helped me keep my sanity during yeah. um, the pandemic. Like exactly. I even moved to New yeah. Zealand for a few months, you know, like starting out a new country where you're like, oh, I don't really yeah. know anyone. Like magic was, a way I could kind of go to an LGS store and I could, could meet people, but also because of the 13 hour time difference, it was Saturday morning for me and it was Friday night for people back here. So we were just, you know, like I could play till after lunch yeah. and go off and have the rest of my day and everyone else would go to bed. And it was kind of, it was, it was a really <laughs> nice way of doing that. And I, I think 
webcam magic has yeah. kind of been a blessing in, in my opinion for community and, and you know I, I definitely wouldn't be playing magic if it hadn't mm. been for the server and yeah i do feel it's important to point out that i was only given the admin role because of my cloud that's it no that's that's, it that's not true yeah. at all <laughs> i think you know like i i think mean, pri- no, to be honest it's clear so i mean like prior to you being an admin i think you were always you know like within the server you were kind of you were there you were you were helping people out you know like in terms of like oh you know card choices on the few times when you know it's controversial things kind it's, of came it's up okay. in the server it's, you know like you it's okay james you don't you don't need to wing my me on my own podcast yeah. it's fine <laughs> but, uh, but no, no, i think it's um uh i'm joking i'm joking yeah I, it's, <laughs> it's kind of odd being interviewed by one of one of the admins but also by someone who like i generally thought i probably wouldn't get to meet like it's and I know that you get. What are you talking I, about? You get quite embarrassed about this, but you know, like I, you know, effectively meeting one of my heroes, at, you know, the start start of things. No, yeah. will you stop this now? No. <laughs> I, I said this beforehand. I said this before recording that. Yeah, like, I'm just when, saying this to embarrass you now. When, so. Yeah, yeah. When when James when James talks about like how like when James started and stuff, you did look at some of my videos and everything, but like we're we're good friends now like yeah. we go we go for coffee and stuff like and like i was only saying that like it makes me a little awkward not in a don't ever do that kind of thing but like in a i i know that this is just a fact and i'm just weird about it and now he's just leaning into it a little yeah. too much so i'm gonna move on um <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there's a couple of things that I do want to ask about, and that is when it comes to running the server, like what have been some of the biggest challenges? So I, I suppose moving from a server, which was essentially like a few people to now, you know, a few hundred, mm-hmm. and there, there was definitely challenges for that. So I, I quickly had to teach myself all about Discord, uh, about bots mm. and roles and how to create channels and, you know, what kind of things drive engagement and also i think it's, it's quite a unique server in a way because you can be literally chatting with someone uh on the server and then 20 minutes later you're standing in an lgs with them we we don't necessarily have the same anonymity of our users that many other servers would, would do so in some ways that's kind of real positive because mm. there's a lot of kind of like you know like self-regulation there has been a you know like like any server yeah. there's been there's been time when kind of controversial things have kind of come up and you know, mm-hmm. generally as a community, it self-governs. So there's a lot of yeah. people who work hard to, you know, so, so something that's kind of like a little bit kind of, we don't just go, we don't do yeah. that here. We, we as a community come together and we kind of explain, you know, this is why. And I think the first rule of the server, and it's generally, it's, it's worked pretty well, is literally the, the gif from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And it's just like, be excellent to each other. And so mm-hmm. that's kind of generally the rule. And trying to create a space that kind of happens in has, has been good. Yeah. I suppose challenges wise is the trades page was probably the one we kind of had to kind of watch the the most as well because just in terms of buying cards yeah. so people's you know like what are people's expectations in terms of buying cards off a, off a server you know sending them across the country mm-hmm. in terms of like how they're packaged or how, how they're kind of sent down to you know like what happens if someone you know picks up a counterfeit card in a trade and like how yeah. do we kind of resolve that those kind of issues as well it's it's been kind of interesting. I think if you like anything, if you if you told me at the beginning, you know, what kind of problems do you think you're going to have, write them down. Probably haven't had half the problems I thought we had, and there's been a few kind of ones I definitely yeah. wouldn't have picked up as upon as well. Yeah, for sure. So you mentioned the trades page. One thing that I think is really cool, and I don't know how effective it would be in other places, but in a way, the trades page in the Irish Magic Discord server is 
almost like a mini card market or like a mini TCG player or whatever because it you like you have people going in there and and you're they're performing trades or they're buying cards or whichever um, but there's also now like a separate channel for like trade vouchers which is like mm. if you've traded with someone and you had a positive experience or whichever you can put in there that you've yeah. had a positive experience and that helps other people that are looking to trade or buy and they see how many vouchers that this person has and be like okay well this this is good they're reliable there's been nothing but positive responses for this person so i feel safe in getting my cards off this person you know that kind of thing it feels good it feels good to be able to like sort of facilitate that kind of thing yeah i think and one of the great things as well is we have a show and tell channel as well so basically um yeah you know you show off your bling in the channel and it's and it's generally really heartwarming on the on the days where i'm not getting cards in to, to, to open up the, the channel and see all these like shiny foils or these like these cards I haven't seen yeah. before but also see that they've been bought off another member of the Irish community and then someone's tagged yeah. them in it and been like oh thanks for sending these cards out and probably you know because apart from being very expensive rectangles of, of, of cardboard you know they facilitate a lot of people kind of going out and playing and, and meeting other people so it's kind of it's really nice this you know like we're all kind of yeah. helping people build the decks they want to build you know, and then, and then kind of playing against them as well, and it's kind of nice, and even even quite funny as well. Not so much the trades; we also have a lens channel as well. So generally, if people you know our modern channel or in our pioneer channel, yeah. if people are looking for a play set of cards to test. Generally, they post up the couple of days before the event, and be like, "Oh, would anyone have a lend of you know four as sagas? I just want to kind of check them out of my deck." And genuinely, because of the community here, we have. Yeah we do and you know people take them along to the store and just lend them and, and you can t- kind of test them that way so it's kind of it's almost kind of an extension yeah. of our play test feature which we which we bought in at the beginning when we set up the server you know basically a time in mm-hmm. magic where everyone was just like don't buy that card it's going to be banned and like yeah. you know when we, we got back at things like companion and, and, and stuff like that so it's kind of it, it, it's really yeah. it's like it's really really good and i think possibly without that channel and maybe say like the commander and the modern channels the server certainly wouldn't be where it is today um, without that. And I think those yeah. kind of three channels, I would say, would probably grew the, the server the most, you know? Yeah, for sure. Now, one thing that you had said there about the about being, like, for example, being able to just uh, have people asking for a lend of cards for events mm-hmm. and that kind of thing, and people that don't really know each other necessarily will show up and yeah. be willing to lend cards and stuff. I think part of that is what you were saying about the reduced anonymity due to the size of the community. So, like, you have a pretty large community, but it's, as as actually our friend Ian put it, it's, it's not so much like the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon, it's more like two yeah. when it comes to Ireland, because if there's someone in the server, you almost definitely know one person who knows them directly. 100%. Yeah. And that kind of tight-knit, like, short distance to travel between people i think really really helps and like creates a much more reliable sort of community for that kind of thing as well now there is something that i do want to sort of round this out with and that is a while ago we had some issues on the server in relation to counterfeit cards Mm -hmm. yeah so I'm going to make sure that I don't say anything wrong, so I'm going to give you the floor on how to explain this. Yeah, so I think, um, so this is kind of one of those kind of awkward things. I think, and what I've kind of learned as well is that with any, with any community at any given time, there's going to be a certain number of counterfeits and kind of floating around. And unfortunately, you know, sometimes people's playtest cards, they get mixed up in trades. And, you know, so, someone at some point forgot that they bought this card a while ago, or I'm not really going to focus on like how they got into, into community, just the fact that they were there. Um, yeah. Now, luckily, because the Irish community is quite small, 
individuals involved were able to kind of sort it all out you know people got their cards back got their money back and everything mm. like that so it was it's really fantastic to see that that, that happened mm. and i think i don't like saying that as a positive comes out of it because it implies that you know like it should you know like it's good that it happened but like you know i think the community now are a little bit more kind of like trusting about checking cards i think and we've kind of spoke about this before mm. there's always this assumption that you know like if you're going to get a counterfeit card it's going to be a mox diamond or it's going to be a chain of mistopheles or you know a, a black yeah. a rebacked black lotus you know and you can go onto youtube and you can you can watch all these videos of people being like oh yeah i got scammed for like x thousands of, of euros but the the thing is and this is what we kind of found in the community it, it's not those cards really it's it's the blingier versions of your fetches of your shocklands you know it's kind of like it's constructed yeah. format staples and a newer issue maybe is the fact that which wasn't really a problem with the shocks until fairly recently was that there's so many versions of the cards floating around now mm. it's just impossible to tell just by yeah. kind of feel because you might not own one of these cards you know and you get suddenly you get an expedition land you know it, it doesn't compare to to, to any of the previous versions of the card the artwork's completely different the printing style you know yeah. the, the fact there might be a hologram or there might not be a hologram on it it's all these kind of different issues as well so I think just getting better at kind of checking cards and I think I kind of alluded to it earlier on when I you know talk about the Gilded Drake I you know I, I first bought off Aaron and like Aaron mm. is a good friend and like I still learned how to check a card and educated myself yeah. and, and and check the card and i think since then and this is going to sound maybe a little bit overkill like i genuinely check every card coming in and every card going out just for my own peace of mm. mind and for like if i'm making a trade as well because yeah because i just you know i i really want to be sure and there is really simple ways to kind of check and i think it doesn't take a lot to kind of educate yourself on that as well and you know and if you do find a counterfeit card in your collection, like don't be disheartened because they're like they're hard to spot, you know, unless you you know what you're looking for yeah. as well, you know. Yeah, we're actually going to talk a little bit about counterfeits now for a moment because well, there's going to be more people now going to yeah. big events now that things have been more opened up and people are going to be trading and buying more cards now because they're going to be attending these events or they're going to be building decks in preparation for going and that kind of thing. Or like even just going back to the LGS to play modern, they're updating yeah. their modern decks, they're getting the new cards and that kind of thing. So like you mentioned, because when you sit and think about it, when it comes to the fakes, what you mentioned there about like the constructed staples and that kind of thing, they're more likely to be fakes because of course they are. Like, People think, oh, fakes, like if I was going to make a fake card, I'd make a fake Black yeah. Lotus or something. Like, But they're going to be the kind of cards, the reserveless cards and yeah. stuff are going to be the ones that are going to be checked mm -hmm. 10 times over. You know, it's if, if someone sells you a uh, fetch land, you know, like a Marsh Flats, like, are you, all, are you always going to check it? No. You're probably not, like, unless you are very particular about it. Yeah, so it, it is important to be able to sort of spot these things. And now I'm not particularly good at spotting fakes because I've, never really had to do it because i haven't really bought any like particularly high value cards but you have james so do you have any advice on like what to do to like try and spot fakes or advi advice on avoiding them in general so generally i think the best advice is like trust your gut sometimes you know if if the offer mm -hmm. is too good it's probably too good in terms of educating yeah. yourself you know there's a ton of resources on youtube i mean a lot of the big you know content creators are going to have articles on it uh on how to spot fakes yeah. the best thing you can really do is get yourself a loop and now if you're 
close to anywhere that has an Amazon. Not that I generally recommend buying stuff from Amazon. You can pick up a loop for you know seven euros in in Ireland. And the two main tests I would use, I would use the so on the back of a magic card, you'll see a green circle. If you look at that on with 60 times magnification and above, so 60 or 90, you will see just within the white bit, generally four red dots that make an L, mm -hmm. okay? If there is an overabundance of red dots there, as in you can't detect the L at all, it's generally a sign that the card, there's something not right with the card. Now, there is slight variation between print runs, so you can find a couple of extra dots. Mm -hmm. But again, if you're not sure, just say no, like the person shouldn't be offended you know, just because you didn't choose to buy the card. Now, don't be running around telling yeah. everyone they're, they're selling fakes just because, and the, you know, because unless you're 100% sure. But like, you know, just personally, just yeah. be like, okay, that card isn't for me. Um, a second way as well, and again, it's a test you can do with the loop, is if you look at the, the, the side of the card sideways on, so the kind of the white around the border, mm -hmm. what you'll find is on real ones, you'll almost see like an intermixed line between the white and the kind of the 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 blacky purple kind of glue that they use within the cards. Whereas on a lot of the fake cards, mm -hmm. it'll be three crisp layers. So you'll have the white layer of the outer. You'll have like either a black or light blue because um, they are getting better at the, the papers they use in the middle. And then you have the white line. Mm -hmm. So that kind of very crisp line is, is would generally would be a big warning sign for me. No yeah. one should be getting to the stage where they're ripping up cards to check. It's just not a, it's generally, it's not a good thing to do, but yeah, like a lot of the other tests, you just have to be an expert on. You know, if you're looking at like the lettering they used or like mm -hmm. the rosette patterns and things like that, there's just there's too much variation between printing. You know, like you've got three big printers across the world, so you've got I think it's Japan, Belgium, and the States, and like there's going to be differences yeah. between those as well. You know, and like so, but generally the thing mm -hmm. that kind of is consistent across all of them is the is the green dot and the, and the and the side test. And that's what I would be. That's what I'd be checking. Like I've never bought a beta or an alpha card. I know there's people in the server who have. Like I wouldn't know how to check those. If I was going to, I would literally either buy from a very reputable seller or I would literally ask mm -hmm. this person to come with me and check the cards. Yeah. I think it's important to point out sort of the difference between a proxy card and a fake card because I know that like the proxy discourse like mm -hmm. comes and goes in on Commander Twitter yeah. in particular. But the important difference is that a fake is one that you're trying to sell. Yeah, basically, hundred um, percent. If you are, if you're using a proxy that looks very, very similar to a magic card, but it's just staying in your collection and it's not going anywhere, that's fine. Yeah, you know, generally we would recommend that you would use like a some defining difference that will make it look different. For example, don't put a don't have like a an actual back on it, for example, mm -hmm. or have proxy written on it somewhere or something like this. The closer and closer you get to it looking like a legitimate magic card in every way, the closer and closer it becomes to yeah. being potentially a counterfeit because once it becomes indistinguishable to the average person, then you can probably sell it on, which means that there's the potential for it to be a counterfeit at that point. So Personally, you know, that there's cards in my deck which I don't own. I'd like to own them at some point in the future. And all I did is I went and got like some nice card and printed them on the cards. They're completely white back. Um, mm. For those particular cards, I've also just printed out on plain paper, black and white, and covered over the top of the card. Like at no point does any, at no point when someone looks at these cards, they're under any delusion that it's trying to be a real card. It's a playtest card or it's a proxy card. Yeah. And like you're saying, I think if you if you seek out the really high quality counterfeit cards, 
-hmm. you're effectively just funding the next generation of counterfeit cards. And having witnessed the the chaos it caused in the community here in Dublin, like even just a handful or, you know, get him into community, it's it, it yeah. it's generally quite a shocking experience. And you suddenly you've got a lot of people very nervous about what the car, what you know, what cars they've got. Again, you know, are they real, are they not? And um I think there needs to be a real serious discussion about what's the consequences happens if you get caught with those. When you're mm-hmm. you know, especially now we're kinda of coming up to to there being like sanctioned tournaments and events again. Like no one's going to pull me over unless I'm playing in an FAM with my, you know, CDH deck, which is heavily proxied because, you know, it's a, it's a wizard sanctioned event, so I'm not going to take my deck there. Like, mm. but, you know, if I'm sitting in an LGS store and I've paid my five euros table fee and yeah. just playing a regular game, like outside of that, no one's going to mind. But, yeah. you know, if, you, if you're if you in an event and a judge comes over and, and checks your cards, you know, mm-hmm. they find one or two, they're going to ask you to either replace it with a basic land card or they're going to try and get you to replace it with the real version of the card now mm-hmm. if you have an entire play set then you're in this really awkward position of the judge being like did you know these were counterfeit and then yeah. you're trying to sell the idea that you didn't now hopefully you know like you don't get you don't get dq'd but like losing an entire play mm-hmm. set of cards to replace it with a basic basic land or or whatever is yeah it's not good especially you know like the way the meta is at the moment now you're you know deck lists are so tight yeah yeah yeah, for sure. And like that's the best thing that can happen. Yeah. Um if if you get found with counterfeits. And like this this is like even if you unintentionally got yeah. them, you know, to what I'm saying is like this is why it's important to check any cards of any kind of reasonable value because you will get punished if you get checked and it turns out you have them whether you knew about them or not, like because it is still in breach of the rules and stuff. So, you know, it is important to be vigilant with it. Yeah. It's it's one of those things that, you know, it's not proxy's fault, for example, that counterfeits exist. No. People were going to counterfeit cards with or without that. I just want to make that clear because sometimes that is part of the proxy mm-hmm. discourse and I very much dislike that. Yeah, I mean, wizards themselves admit that like magic is a, is a mm-hmm. mechanic, it's like it's a type of game scene so, you know, like I think generally, you know, if you're not playing in their events, they you know they don't mind you testing their cards and stuff like that. I think it's just, you yeah. know, it's it's there and like having features like Moxfield and other, you know, card databases where you can, or deck databases where you can kind of store them, being able to play test them and using tools like OBS is is a great way to kind of get around the printing aspect of the of the. But that again, that only kind of works over on webcam. But it's 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 mm. it's, it's a good way to kind kind of test out a test out a deck as well. Yeah, absolutely. There have been a lot of things that have happened in the server, and so far, like some of them do sound like a little bit negative because we were talking about challenges and that kind of thing but there have been positives as well like it's been to be honest if anything it's been mostly positive right yeah literally the only things we've had happen were mainly the trade issues it, what's been really good as, as service kind of grown is that we're able to get members of the community involved with kind of running the service so we, we just we literally just mm. got a brand new logo and designed by one of our members yeah. Dahi like managed to kind of capture Irish and magic together in, in a logo which I didn't which I thought was going to be a bit of a challenge, and I'm glad that I kind of outsourced it to a member yeah. of the community who's really passionate about that yeah. kind of thing. Um, so our logo is kind of a, for the users might know what a Celtic knot looks like. It's the Lotus, but in their Celtic knot style. Um, and we have a whole kind of play mat designed from that. One of the greatest things was, was we were able yeah. to get other members of the server helped fund the logo design. So we're actually mm-hmm. getting people within the server, being able to pay them to use their skills to enhance our community as well. and. 
Yeah. It's actually been really nice having, now we have this this play mat design because what started to happen as well is now tournaments have opened up. Um, people are traveling to the tournaments and the events. I mean, there was a CDH tournament over on yeah. Nexus a few weeks ago and we sent four players. One of our members, uh, Danny, got top five and did yeah. a interview with Mons on his deck, Kin and Border Prodigy, definitely worth a checkout. Um, I myself was able to manage a top 15. Now this was, was over it was over 100 people playing at the start. And it's, Great. you know, it, it's really, really good. And you know, we're working as a team. So, I mean, because we're quite small, we can work together as a community. We can send really strong teams in. And like generally in the community, everyone wants to kind of lift each other up. So, you know, like yeah. we might we might end up playing each other. I mean, I played another, I played Louise in one of the games and we both gave it all as we could. Like he was playing stacks mm-hmm. and I was playing my Crumb deck. And I managed to sneak a win in, you know, past his stacks because nice. that's how my deck's designed. But like afterwards we sat down and we were like, oh, you know, like I made this mistake. What did you think? What should I have done that time? And we sat down and we like mm-hmm. both improved our games for next time, you know? Yeah. So we have this kind of community. So this really good kind of positive thing that's, uh, that's kind of come from the server as well. So it's going to be really interesting seeing our play mats and sleeves and stuff pop up hopefully yeah. over, the, over the next wee while as well. Yeah, my playmat's on the way. I can't wait. Yeah, generally the same. Yeah. And what you were saying about being able to send testing teams and all that kind of stuff and, and playing together and everything, it's very much the same here. Like, I was friends with uh, Ian Holland, which is one of our patrons who, every time I bring him up, I have to say, is not my boss. And we played together before the pandemic already. But now when we're playing, we also have Tom, who I met through the Irish Magic Discord server. He actually posted in the trades chat to say that I had like I was looking for a summer bloom for a $50 Tatiova budget deck that I was building he was just like oh I have one uh, I, I don't have a use for it and it's only a euro or two so like I'll drop it over to you it's fine and he pulled up outside and we were chatting outside for like two or three hours and then not long after that we were great mates you know like it's it's just wild to see this kind of thing happen and for me uh, one of the positives is like nearly all my friend group I know them through the Irish Magic Discord mm. server now, which is wild. So. No, I definitely agree. I mean, like myself, my partner, we got married just before Christmas, and like mm-hmm. you know, one of our witnesses was was you know was people I met on the server. You know, so it's just it's it's yeah. it's kind of crazy when you kind of think about it. There's you know, a couple mm. of years ago, I genuinely didn't know any of these people that I'm kind of playing with or kind of talking with today. So it's yeah. been a hugely positive experience. Yeah. All right, so that kind of brings us to the end of the main section here. And James, thank you very much for coming on and, first of all, embarrassing me. (laughs) And then also just imparting insight into so many different aspects of magic because what we've been doing on here over the past few weeks in particular, like while Emma was gone and that kind of thing, was to try and get different people in with different insights into the game and get their viewpoints on things that they are knowledgeable about and they all have different life experiences and experiences within the game and community itself and like your, your story's kind of wild because two years ago not only did like we not know each other or anyone else that we're now really good friends with but you just didn't play magic and yeah. this irish server that is now huge just didn't exist yeah and it's all because you just wanted to play some magic <laughs> it's yeah. kind of crazy when you think about it that way so Thank you very much for being one of the the people 
to come on and, and talk about your experiences and also impart extremely important and informative stuff onto our listeners when it comes to community stuff and also uh, when it comes to like proxies and spotting counterfeits as well. Yeah. So thanks for that. Yeah, well, I like, really appreciate the opportunity to come on and, and, and talk. I think I got really lucky, especially maybe within this community, that like everyone's really good custodians of the community. So everyone's, everyone, everyone, people are trying to mm. break down the barriers of entry for people. And, you know, it could have gone a very different way. Um, for me, I think I yeah. could have gone in and, you know, turned up with the wrong deck or, you know, just not met people who, like seeing people's, you know, people's experiences of LGSs when you kind of, you see them on Reddit or on Facebook and things like that. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, you know, I felt like I couldn't play my deck. I've never felt like that. And I think as a community, especially given all the things that have been happening on Twitter recently, and also, we, we need to be the change that we want to see. So if you're actively not working yeah. to make the community better, you're in, in some in some ways you're kind of facilitating its harm, yeah. but by kind of re- generally remaining silent and not actively working to you know like to call people out on kind of shitty practices. We just have to be excellent to each other and like remember that we're all individuals and we all have different experiences. And it doesn't take a lot to lift someone up. It takes mm-hmm. a lot more mind space to just be a shitty human being, I think, than it does to be a nice one. You know. Yeah. Agreed. All right, so let's round it out, shall we, okay. with a little bit of Q&A. Yep. So from the BMCast Discord, we have Jamie C. asking, uh, what do you think of Tron in Popper now that the dust has settled on the expedition map Unban? So for reference, Tron is a little bit different now. There is sort of Simic Tron stuff happening still, um, where it's kind of like control-y kind of thing where it's closer to the older versions um but there are fewer colors because it's a little less reliable now that we don't have the the rocks that can filter into any color so that is still there that is not particularly prevalent right now but eggstron is the new thing so eggstron is weirdly uh, also like five colors basically but the whole thing with it is that they're playing loads and loads of eggs so it's chromatic sphere chromatic star conjurer's bauble spare supplies icker wellspring all these kind of things and as foundry inspector to reduce the cost of them fangren marauder to keep gaining you life as you're going the tron itself is actually just to give you some mana acceleration it's not necessarily the main part of the deck you know but what it looks to do is use a single Jace's Erasure to mill your opponent out while you keep looping back cards with cards like Frantic Salvage, which puts any number of artifact cards from your graveyard on top of your library, and then you draw a card. So you just keep looping through your deck until you get your Jace's Erasure, you play it, and then you mill them out. And I think that is very good. Now, I'm a little bit biased because I do kind of like Tron when it's not being a really slow control machine, but... I also love taking game actions, and this deck takes all the game actions. So I think it has potential to be a very, very good deck. And I think once more players get better at the deck and improve it a little bit more, I think it has the potential to be one of the main contenders in the format. But the control version, I think not so much. Any thoughts on it yourself, James, or are you fully CEDH at this point? I'm I'm, I'm listening intently, but... uh Generally, like I'm, you know, CDH. You ask me a question about CDH, and I can give you my uh, give you my opinion. But generally, pauper, I, I tend to focus more on on people like yourselves' opinions rather than my own. Um, yeah, I'm still playing mo- mono black control and um, mono red burn. So, like, it's just classics. Classics, you know, like you can't go wrong. 
I mean, hit someone in the face or stop them getting cards in their hands you know like it's just yeah that's good Monty Light also saying uh, I don't know if the meta evolved uh, a lot in Popper since the first time that they asked but do we think the meta is finally set from all of the changes that has happened or that have happened over the past couple of months I think it's still sort of moving around a little bit I have not been massively into Popper over the last while but it does feel like it is sort of starting to settle because you still see the stuff like the blue base decks and you have a lot of familiars now as well and then you still have like you know you have your boros aggro decks and your bogles and all that kind of stuff like they're all still present and i don't think that's really going to change so to a certain degree it always feels like popper's meta is settled i think it's just that there are some definitely stronger decks than others and i think that's just going to be the case until there's more changes made um i don't think that's really gonna alter too much but yeah and finally uh christopher mccarthy asks uh besides who's the beatdown which is a very famous magic article are there any articles that you would consider required reading do you have any yourself james i'm to be honest i'm more of a like watch a youtube video so i personally really enjoy rebel sun's content i think one Mm. of my favorite videos she did was just explained how to to play the pre-con exactly how it is and i think like watching someone explain how to play a pre-con is a great experience and i think you know everyone should kind of seek out that video and and and, and kind of have a look as well because i think if you can kind of see how to play a pre-con then if you want to upgrade it you kind of understand it a little bit better i think sometimes we you know we do focus a little bit more on like how to make this deck better straight away and i think we kind of miss out on an experience Mm -hmm. of maybe playing some of the pre-cons that's not saying that all pre-cons are created equal they certainly aren't especially between sets but i think that would have been Mm -hmm. i think that's one of the ones that stuck with me most and then again kind of this is kind of weird like your articles so particularly the ones on kind of power levels and like lasagna tier decks i think Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> like they're great like you're off wingman and me yeah. on my own podcast yeah. again James. Well, you know, kind of rachel weeks right. as well i suppose <laughs> with the whole lasagna tier i think it's a it's it's it's, it's a yeah. good idea i yeah. think um any article where kind of it challenges your way to and how you play the game and mm-hmm. just because you have a card in your hand do you really have to play it yeah you know just because there's a really good card in the format do you really need to put that in your deck or is it can you put something else in which is a bit more fun like a gotham card mm-hmm. i think are you subtweeting dockside right now is that what this is yeah maybe <laughs> like only only own one copy of dockside i'm happy with it in the format i played and i generally wouldn't see a use for it in any yeah. of my other decks on my in any of my casual decks it's yeah. just like yeah it's just it doesn't it doesn't have a space yeah for sure for myself i so I got when I got into Magic, I got in through competitive. So I was very much playing like standard and stuff at the time, and I sort of put myself through a lot of the classic articles. Um, there are quite a few. There are some that I'm going to list in the show notes, but I will I will list them by name here be, and like just explain very briefly what they are, so you can go look them up if you don't have access to the show notes. First one is Frank Carson's article on Channel Fireball of how many colored mana sources do you need to consistently cast your spells? So this is a deck building one in terms of mana base and that kind of stuff. Uh, It does exactly what it says in the tin. Another one is Mike Flores' Philosophy of Fire. 
So this is uh, possibly the second most famous article, I would say, of all time after Who's the Beatdown. And this talks about trading cards for your opponent's life. Um, and it's about like the management of resources and that kind of thing. So I would highly recommend that one to check out. Mark Rosewater's article on Timmy, Johnny and Spike is another one because it talks about how they view the uh, the player psychographics and that kind of thing. So that is important to understand so that you can see where they're coming from from design perspectives and stuff. Now, that is very old at this point and it's probably due for an update, but it still has some important information in there. Reed Duke's article, Thought Seize You, basically covers how to thought seize someone properly. It's a primer on the card, essentially. And finally, the other article that I have that I would suggest is less of an article in design and more of like a series of posts from an old, I think it was a Board Game Geek post, but I'll link it here. Uh, It's what I know about Magic the Gathering, is what it's called. The user Douglas Boole, I think it is. And they just talk about magic and what they know about it and sort of explaining it from like a quite a simple perspective. And they go into an awful lot of detail and they go into an awful lot of different types of decks and the different types of cards, how cards interact with each other and all this kind of thing. Some of it could be a little bit simple and straightforward for some people, but it is still, in my opinion, probably like required reading just because it is just very good as well. So, yeah, I'll post all of those into the show notes and uh, you can go check them out. Right. So that brings us to the end. James, before we leave, uh, if you want to say anything before we head off or if you want to just let the folks know where they can find you, uh, what it is that you do, anything at all. Yeah. So, uh, first of all, thanks for listening to me drone on for an hour on CDH and counterfeit cards <laughs> if you want to find us we're we're in the irish magic discord happy to have anyone kind of jump in generally it's for the irish community because we all kind of play but anyone can kind of pop in uh, and, and do that if, if you want to contact me directly i have my own twitter it's bergfucks uh, mtg mm-hmm. we're going to start hopefully streaming some some content from the server at some point to like games like ch and some of our more kind of casual commander games as well just as a kind of a way nice. to kind of so people kind of see how we're doing it and stuff like that all right so i guess then that's it do you want to go play a game yeah let's uh yeah what kind of power level are we talking mid yeah mid Thank you for listening to us here at the BM Cast, and a special thanks to our patrons. At the Cheering Fanatic tier, we have Tom Telford, Anthony Burchett, Christopher McCarthy, Edward Whitney, Evil Vanilla Glaze, Ian Holland, Jeff Eaton, Jonas Kong, Kilgore Trout 503, Matthew O'Neill, Max Makes Magic, MF Peaches, Mini Maya, Munsu Light, Nicholas Martin, Ozan Kaplaner, Scott Hanch, The Jess Guy, The Joe Cheney, Zachary Morrow, and Tim Newman. And at the Stonks tier, we have a nice planeswalker, Alex Gibson, Bo Schwartz Madsen, Brian A. Madden, Coffee, Everett Brogan, Nerblin, Mickey Paris, Scott Creech, Seamus MC, Simon Grip, Jamie Coyle, and Clyde Anderson. Thank you all for helping to keep this podcast on the air. We can't thank you enough. If you want to support us and add your name to this list of lovely and wonderful people, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the BMcast. If you have any questions, comments, or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagiccast at gmail.com or simply message us on Twitter at the BMcast. We'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your buck.